Hello, everyone, and we want to thank you for allowing us to come into your home and minister the Word of God today. I'm Pastor Benjamin Smith, and I am at the Wesley Chapel campus typically, and today I have the awesome opportunity, awesome opportunity to bring you the Word of God. If you don't mind, let's take a quick moment and say a word of prayer, and we'll get right into this. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for every opportunity that we have to come and minister together. We never take this opportunity for granted that we have to come and share your word with your people. I pray as always that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person and that everybody under the sound of my voice will get something out of the message today that they can use, that they can use and make their lives better. God, not just years from now or months from now, weeks from now, not even days from now, but they will be able to use this word and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray, amen. You know, this is my first opportunity getting to kind of talk to you guys since the whole coronavirus, COVID-19, what they're calling a pandemic event. And what I'm thinking is, we're in the series, The Art of War at Wesley Chapel, and it's a great time, family, for me to just share my thoughts on it since we haven't had an opportunity to talk face-to-face. -face. As kind of a quirky little side note, as I was reading some materials on the coronavirus, just, just for my own liking, not necessarily for any particular reason for this message, but I came across the term COVID-19. And the Spirit of God said something to me kind of funny. He said, you know, the whole world is very concerned about COVID-19. They need to be concerned about Jesus 66. All 66 books of this Bible, all 66 books of this word, they need to be worried about that. But the COVID-19 has taken over our conversation completely. I'll give you an example. I have this prop here. And this prop is something that you've probably seen before. It's, it's what they call a trash grabber or a trash picker or something like that. True story. I go into the pharmacy recently, and at the pharmacy desk, they have the window blocked by a series of tables so I can only get so far. And I'm wondering, well, what's, you know, what's going on with that? Well, I noticed that the person in front of me is reaching to transact something with the pharmacist, and they're handing out bags with these. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. So she puts the bag on there, and then she leans over the table and gives the person the bag. I say, you know what? We've taken this coronavirus thing just way too far. Just way too far. And I, I, I got to tell you this, too, since it's been a while since I spent some time with you. I got a Smith story for you. Now, for those who do not know what a Smith story is, is, it's a story about our family, my last name's Smith, and the Smith stories are true. I can't make them up. And my mom, who's 80 plus years old, so she falls into that, kind of that age area where they say you need to be careful, you need to take some extra precautions. So I need to call and check on mama, you know, see how she's doing. So I call mama up on the cell phone, and I can't reach her at first, but then I finally reach her. And my mama say, hey, baby. I say, mama, where you at? Oh, I'm out here with your auntie. I'm like, mama in the street. Good Lord, Jesus. But I stay cool. I stay cool. I say, so mom, what's, what's, what's going on with you guys up there? I'm calling to see if, 
if you heard anything about this particular virus. My mama told me, said, baby, you mean the Canona? I, 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 say, I say, what you say, mama? Mama say, baby, you talking about that Canona? Baby, it's all over the news. It's what everybody talking about. I could hardly contain myself. My mama called the thing the Canona. I, I was like, mama, mama, can you tell me again what you call it? She said, oh, baby, it's that coronavirus, baby. It's everywhere. I say, mama, listen, I, I've heard that this virus is mutating and changing strands. I heard that. But ain't nowhere have I heard that the virus is changing names. So I don't know what y'all got going up there in them northern counties, but the Canona ain't made it down this way yet. So what I want you to do is whatever y'all dealing with, y'all keep that Canona up there, because <laughs> it's not my thing. All right, let's get into this. You know, the coronavirus, or what they call COVID-19, it's, it's part of discussion in everybody's tongue, and it's, it, you can't avoid it. You can't avoid it because, quite frankly, it's, it's all over the news, and it, it makes it very unavoidable. The part that's a little troubling to me is that it is also on the tongues of believers, and on the tongues of, of believers in a way that I don't think is very healthy. Now, don't get me wrong, I know it's news. They call it pandemic for a reason. But the simple fact that they call it pandemic doesn't mean that it should be the news that takes over the verbiage of us, us as Christians. We have our own news, and that news is the good news. It's the news that Jesus is Lord. It's the news that says, because Jesus came and he died and he did the work that only he could do, that we have the opportunity to be joint heirs with him. It's the news that we have been adopted into the family of God. Adopted into his family, and you know what? God takes really good care of his children. I want you to do something with me. Look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 in the King James Bible. The Bible, when we talk about these kind of events, it talks about, it reveals that health and healing is a part of our covenant. And that should give us some calm as believers during these times. Galatians 3, 13, King James reads like this. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Isaiah 53, verse 5, King James Version. We'll follow that up with this. But he, meaning Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. The New Testament has a corresponding verse in Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, King James Version. Who is own who his own self bear our sins and his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes we were healed. And the Message Bible says that his wounds became our healing. 
As I read through those, though, you may say, well, Pastor, I think those verses are talking more about spiritual healing, not necessarily physical healing. And it's true. It's true that Jesus, in the work that he did, he took care of our sin debt. But that same Jesus says something else in John 10. Take a quick look with me. In John 10, Jesus made this declaration. King James Version, starting in verse 9. He said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now the Amplified Classic, verse 10 only. The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. So the simple fact that Jesus says that he came so that we can have and enjoy life tells us that health and healing has to be a part of our covenant. And not just enjoy life, but abundantly to the full until it overflows. A quick peek in John 6, chapter 38. John 6, verse 38, King James Version. Because Jesus is not the only one that believes we should have this health and healing in this abundant life. He said it, and that's not just his own words. Remember, in this John 6, Jesus said he came to do the will of the Father. It reads, verse 38, John 6, For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. So if Jesus said he came to give us abundant life. And if God is the one that sent Christ, because Christ came to do the will of the Father, then it is God's will that we also have this full and healthy and, 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 and blessed abundant life. So I say to you, yes, we have good news. In light of the pandemic, we have good news. That good news is that we have a covenant that gives us a host of benefits. Yet we still find ourselves, when we hear this type of news, fighting back, I should say, or being taunted with thoughts of fear and concern. That being the case, I wish to speak to you briefly about keeping a strict control over your tongue during this particular time and during this season. Specifically, when I mention the world's infatuation about coronavirus, sometimes people get it misunderstood that I'm trying to ask them to just be quiet about the whole thing. Sometimes they misunderstand it by thinking I'm trying to get them to just avoid the conversation altogether. I'm not doing that at all. As a matter of fact, it's quite the opposite. As Christians, as believers, I think we should talk about it. I think we should address it. Address it. But what I'm saying is we should not, based on how we talk about it, give that topic the power to strike fear into the heart of you if you're speaking about it or to others if they're listening. Some weeks back, 
at Wesley Chapel, we finished our Victory Lap series. And it's a series that spanned, if I believe I remember correctly, almost 12 sessions. And during that time, we identified certain things and we said that victory in God has a sound. It has a sound in the victory-minded believer. The way they talk sounds like something. We said that the sound is a sound that doesn't back down. As a matter of fact, David and Goliath was one subject that we got a lot of miles out of. But there's an aspect of David and Goliath that God has been holding back. A part of that account that it just didn't seem like the right time to mention. But as I stand here between a campus series of the art, art of war and a campus series of, as being, of being fearless, it just seems like the right time. It seems like the right time to finally say those words that God had for me to say. So if you would, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17, and let's dig into David and Goliath briefly. Now, for those of you who are not aware, as we taught our Victory Lap series, we said some specific things about how those words should be when they come out of the mouth of a believer who knows they're in victory. Here's what we said. We said that when a victorious person releases a sound, it's a sound of confidence backed by the conviction that God is well able to carry out his every word. In short, what we were saying is this. The words that you say and the tone at which you say them testifies to how much you believe in your God. When you look at 1 Samuel 17, King James Version, I want you to peek at verse 23. As a lead-in, you know, Dave here has had an interesting life thus far. In the previous chapter, God had told Samuel, hey, I want you to go and find me a king out of Jesse's clan. And David's own daddy didn't invite him to the king selection party. But God ultimately got him on the scene. And he said, that's the one. So we slide into chapter 17. Goliath is there, nearly 10 foot tall. Philistine, warrior, talking trash, tell him, listen, I want you to send out somebody to fight me. If you win, we'll be your slaves. If I win, you be our slaves. Verse 23 here, we have Goliath coming out to make his, his, his challenge again that he's been doing for like 40 days and for 40 days now. David's going to hear him this time. Verse 23. 
And as he talked with them, meaning David, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine, Goliath by name. Don't move past that because that's part of our point. It says he's a Philistine, but Goliath by name. Goliath by name out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words and David heard them. Now slide down to verse 26. And David spake to the men and stood by him saying, what shall be done to this man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? The Message Bible, David, who was talking to the men standing around him, asked, what's in it for the man who kills that Philistine and gets rid of this ugly blot on Israel's honor? Who does he think he is anyway, this uncircumcised Philistine taunting the armies of God alive? What point do I want to make by comparing these two particular verses? One has Goliath coming out and making his challenge again. The other has David saying, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? The point is that I thank God that he put in his word that Goliath was Goliath by name. In other words, this challenge, this opposition, this enemy, this enemy had a God, had a man given, not a God given, a man given name. But if you search through 1 Samuel 17, you will never find that David called Goliath by his man-given name. You will never find that David called his threat by his earth-given name. No, he didn't. David called his opposition by its spiritual presence. He called this opposition what it was, an uncircumcised Philistine. What the world called Goliath, David called something that wasn't part of his covenant. What the world called Goliath, David called something that did not belong. What the world called Goliath, David called an ugly blot on the life that God had given them as children of God. We take the same position, family, when it comes to this pandemic. Mankind has given it a name. But we recognize it for the spiritual presence that it is. It's not just about an illness. Let's face it. People get sick all the time. In case you haven't noticed, we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world, and as a result, we do our best 
We do our best. We use wisdom. We do the things that we need to do to make sure that, that we are as healthy as possible. But this thing here that we're dealing with, it, it goes far much beyond sickness. What we're dealing with now is an enemy. And that enemy is intent on doing some very specific things. It's an enemy that wants to bring fear. It wants to bring anxiety. It's an enemy that wants to keep us apart. It's an enemy that aims, aims to refrain from us getting together and assembling together. Like the word says, we should never forsake the assembling of ourselves together. This enemy seeks to dampen our very trust in God. And no, ma'am, no, sir, that just don't work for me. It doesn't work for me to let this enemy continue to lurk in our midst and just simply call it a virus. It's not just a virus. It's not just a pandemic. It's a scheme of the devil straight from hell, and we won't have it done that way, not to us. It's wartime. The art of war, to deal with something based on its spiritual presence, not just from what they tell us that it is. I recognize this is much more than just a simple earthly virus. It is dispensing spiritual poison. And I call it what it is. Nothing more than an uncircumcised Philistine. It is something that is counter to my covenant. It don't belong to me, so I don't accept it. It don't belong to you. You shouldn't accept it. It don't belong on me. It don't belong on you. Believer, it don't belong in me. It doesn't belong in you. I don't show any hesitation from calling it what it is. Just like my big brother showed no hesitation in calling out Satan to his face. Look at John 8, starting in verse 31, King James Version. I read these first two verses to kind of orient us here because these two verses are something that we have heard often and will kind of get a better feel for those of you who are real familiar with your Bible, kind of get a better feel for what's going on. Jesus says, you know, he's talking to Philistines and people who are always trying to give him the business. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Now, I want you to slide down to verse 33, but this time I want you to shift to the Message Bible. He's getting ready to engage some folks in a very bold way. The very way that I'm asking you as believers to stand in this season. Surprised, they said, Jesus has told them some stuff before that, but we're descendants of Abraham. We've never been slaves to anyone. 
How can you say the truth will free you? Jesus said, I tell you most solemnly that anyone who chooses a life of sin is trapped in a dead end life and is in fact a slave. A slave is a transient who can't come and go at will. The son, though has an established position, the run of the house. A quick note there, you and I are sons and daughters of God and we have the run of the house. We have the authority to declare a thing. We have the authority to establish a thing. In this Art of War series, we need to make sure that we recognize that and don't shy away from the enemy if he or it comes knocking at our door. The son, though, has an established position, the run of the house. So if the son sets you free, you are free through and through. I know you're Abraham's descendants, but I also know that you're trying to kill me because my message hasn't yet penetrated your thick skulls. I'm talking about things I've seen while keeping company with the father. And you just go on doing what you've heard from your father. He getting ready to get real with him. Getting ready to talk to their face. Getting ready to speak to the spiritual presence behind something. Verse 39. They were indignant. Our father is Abraham. And yet here you're trying to kill me, Jesus says to them. A man who has spoken to you the truth, he got straight from God. Abraham never did that sort of thing. You persist in repeating the works of your father. He finna get personal. Oh. They said, we're not bastards. Look at them talking smack. We have a legitimate father, the one and only God. But you can't out trash talk Jesus. Check my man out. If God was your father, Jesus says, you would love me for I came from God and arrived here. I didn't come on my own. He sent me. Why can't you understand one word I say? Here's why. You can't handle it. You're from your father, the devil. There it is. You're from your father, the devil, and all you want to do is please him. He was a killer from the very start. He couldn't stand the truth because there wasn't a shred of truth in him. When the liar speaks, he makes it up out of his lying nature and fills the world with his lies. The King James Version refers to the devil as the father of lies. But also go to Matthew 16. Jesus was bold in the face of a spiritual enemy. Doesn't matter where. Matthew 16, King James Version, starting in verse 21. This will be familiar to you. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. 
But he, meaning Jesus, turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. For thou savoreth not the things that be of God, but those that be of man. The Message Bible gets to a very specific point here. Starting in verse 21. Then Jesus made it clear to his disciples that it was now necessary for him to go to Jerusalem, submit to an ordeal of suffering at the hands of the religious leaders, be killed, and then on the third day be raised up alive. Peter took him in hand, protesting. Impossible, master. That can never be. Then the Bible says in the message version, but Jesus didn't swerve. I like that terminology. He didn't swerve. Peter, get out of my way. Satan, get lost. You have no idea how God works. Jesus didn't swerve. He didn't avoid the confrontation. He didn't back away from the spiritual presence. He didn't let his opposition bully him. Not just that, though. I want you to note in that message version, the way they delineated this thing. It's a very beautiful way they did this. They delineated it in such a way that they showed you that Jesus spoke to the physical obstacle, Peter. And he also spoke to the spiritual opposer, Satan. Likewise, we acknowledge the physical nature of this virus. But we keep our socks, sights locked on the clear view of the demonic spirit that's behind it. We keep a clear view on how Satan is trying to weave his unholy agenda into the fabric of the earth. The scheme of fear and isolation is of the devil. But believer, we shall remain fearless in the face of it. I personally would not give it power by pumping up its words in the airways and taking the name that they've given it and making it something that it's not. Quite the opposite. I'm going to stay suited up in my whole armor. The entire armor that God has given me. And I'm going to declare war in the spirit over Satan and his uncircumcised viral Philistine. This situation will not trick me into speaking death and doom over me or death and doom over anyone else. Proverbs 18, King James Version. Starting in 21. We're talking about this Art of War series. And in talking about the Art of War series, remember, we're going to be focusing on making sure we keep strict control of our tongue. 
Proverbs 18, 21, King James Version, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Listen to that in the message version, starting in verse 20. Words satisfy the mind as much as fruit does the stomach. Good talk is as gratifying as good harvest. Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Our choice is clear, believer. Family, we choose fruit over poison. What we choose is life. And part of us choosing life is making sure that we stand firm in our covenant. We stand firm in our covenant and we speak directly to the spiritual root of any opposition that comes our way. We speak words of faith, words of confidence, words of assurance in our God. We speak words to the root of that opposition, whatever that root may be. And this position goes far beyond any virus. It goes for every physical ailment. It goes for every emotional condition. It goes for every challenging mental state. Whatever it is, we do not take its earth-given name and give it power over us. We never allow that name to have more authority in our heart than our God. We never allow a world-given name of any condition, of any state or anything to be greater in our minds and in our hearts than our God. What you need to do when you speak to the spiritual root of it is you need to let it know that it is not part of your covenant. And you need to continue to speak life. No matter what it looks like, you speak life. No matter what you feel like, you speak life. No matter what the report says, Believer, you speak life. Once again, Proverbs 18, starting in verse 20, reads like this. Words satisfy the mind as much as fruit does the stomach. Good talk is as gratifying as good harvest. Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Family, regardless of the headlines that life pushes our way, be it coronavirus, COVID-19, pandemic, it doesn't matter. Regardless of the season, regardless of the time, whatever headline life pushes our way, we commit to stand firm in God and with our words, we choose to speak life every time.
There is never a time that we as a believer should let our tongue write a destructive word over our life. We have the power and authority to speak a good story. Why, on the world, why in the world we choose to speak anything different? With that family, I love you. And we'll chat with you soon. Let's pray. God, I thank you that everybody under the sound of my voice realizes that as a believer, the power they have in their tongue, being that they have a covenant with the almighty God, is one that allows them to speak life over any situation that they may be in or they may come across. We pray that these words sink into the minds and the hearts of all listeners and that they will emerge more full of faith, more full of confidence, that they will have on the inside an inner David that doesn't fear speaking to the opposition for the spiritual unholy entity that it is. I also ask now, if any of you who are there, if you're not born again, if you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, but you would like to, please take this time now. And if you don't have someone to minister salvation to you, we can do that now. The Bible is pretty clear in Romans. It says that what we have to do is simply confess our faults and accept Jesus into our heart as Lord and Savior, and that we'll be saved. So lift your hands and say this, Lord Jesus, I realize that Jesus came to do the work that I couldn't do. He came to erase my sin debt, and I accept the job that he's done. I accept the opportunity that you're giving me to become your child. I thank you, God, that as your child, I get to live in all the benefits that you have for me. And with the assurance that heaven's my home, backed up by an enjoyable life here, I get double bonus. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if also, if you happen to be listening and you don't have a church home, and you wish to make Revealing Truth Ministries your home. We have a variety of campuses. If you would like to get plugged in, I'm sure as you're streaming, there's information there that give you an opportunity to connect with us. Give us a call, send us a note, and we'll be more than happy to get you plugged in. God bless you. See you later.